Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point, it is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. A very good morning to you, beloved listener of Beyond Government Show. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome aboard and thanks for choosing us. Henceforth, you and I will be tired from the hip as we journey together. On that note, I hope everybody had enjoyed the Valentine's Day. I'm obviously referring to people who observe this highly commercialized monster. I'm not sure if most people know that uh, back in 2021, Americans spent close to 21 billion rent on Valentine's gifts. Uh, and if you add that by 10% year on year, this figure would have been easily around 23, 24 billion rents per year. This is just in the United States only. Imagine if you include the rest of the world, how insane is that? I suppose that it is cost, uh, the cost of love and validation. Um, if it's going to cost that much, well, let's say good luck. And, and I hope it has been worth it. On a most substantive, and I'm delighted to share this space and time with you once again as we celebrate entrepreneurs and shine spotlight on some of the complex challenges uh, that they are faced with. When you're talking of entrepreneur of a small businessman, you're talking of a woman for that matter. You're talking what comes to mind in my mind. It's about cash flow issues, access to markets, overheads, scalability of the, pro- of, of the product. These are some of the major hurdles which entrepreneurs are expected to navigate in order to stay alive. In a nutshell, we are talking about trials and tribulation of being an entrepreneur. In making sense of this entrepreneurship, I'll be joined by Yarabit Zikaule, who is a founding chief creative officer of Killer Bee Agency. Before we get to the gist of our conversation, by way of reflection, if you missed any of our previous show, which are inherently thought-provoking, that's my view. Not to worry, simply go to our website, download any of the podcasts, and share your views with us through our SMS line, which is 34519. It is customary here to express our gratitude to members of the team who makes the show a delightful or delightful two years. On that note, Vusma Singer, once again, thank you very much, sir. Uh, Harry Sekele, your support is greatly appreciated as both of you uh, help the show to be navigated to our listeners' delight. Before we sink our teeth to this morning entrepreneurship journey, I want to reflect a little bit on the resignation of the seat of Swanee, Randall Williams. I also want to reflect on the ousting of Mpopalat as the mayor of Johannesburg and the kind of instability that we're seeing at the Gurulani and other metros and local municipalities. It is common cause that there's infighting among politicians, uh, which in my view, points to the collapse of leadership and, and uh, governance ecosystem. The irony is that every time when you hear or see uh, from the media and from the politicians themselves that uh, corruption uh, and the extent to which it affects the library is at the heart of these kinds of issues. And there's not really much substance into 
other very important issues, for an example, how to stabilize municipality, how to promote income streams, how to generate revenue, how to address non-payment culture or the culture of non-payment. These are some of the issues that you would expect to be at the forefront from the municipalities because we all know that most municipalities are financially troubled. When you look at the corruption watch, you know, they have pointed out that most corruption occurs within the municipal manager's office, and this represents about 34% uh, in all reports they have received. The second culprit uh, is the local municipality or metropolis that are also about 30% of reports received, followed by housing and human settlement at 10%. These reports represent, if you like, the top three hotspots for corruption in local government. The municipalities that are mostly implicated in corruption-related reports constitute, constitute uh, what metro such as uh, City of Johannesburg, which topped the list with 700 reports, Ekurleni second at 354, City of Tony at 325, Etequini at 166, and Cape Town at 125. Clearly, these statistics are disturbing for the in my mind, there is no victimless crime. These one act of corruption within the municipality takes away the benefits of a would-be entrepreneur that would have honestly earned his money. And these statistics, when when you put them, you know, cumulatively, they amount to serious quite money. What comes to mind when you see these disturbances? I mean, for me, it's quite clear. Show you have your own personal views on these matters as well. At the heart of these issues for me is that there's a decaying rule of law. There's no rule of law. And my change theory is that if you address one item, which is at the center, how does it reverberate? How does it influence other change within the chain ecosystem? You address the rule of law. You apply meritocracy template when appointing senior officials and you implement consequence management. These are three top variables which, if they were to be applied rigorously, we will certainly see change in most of the municipalities. Because this is not magic, frankly speaking. This is not brain surgery. This is not one of those big things that you really need to think long and hard about. But at the heart of these three variables, what is it? What is the lever? What is the critical driver? The driver is political will. If there's a political will, there's application of rule of law. If there's a political will, we don't deploy people who do not have what it takes, experience, exposure, and experience in senior positions. You don't do that. And secondly, in instances where officials were found wanting, you move very swiftly. You move very swiftly as part of the consequence management strategy. But we've seen the Auditor General reports year in, year out, points to some of these issues, and there's very little happening. Uh, the public sector report, other than instances or cases that are highly politicized, we get to hear about how the wheels of justice is turning. But ordinarily, on bureaucrats, there's not much happening. So these are some of the issues which I think and strongly believe that for any local government, provincial government and national government, for that matter, to surely or to be seen representing the best interest of the electorate is to address those particular issues. I certainly believe that. But be that is, man, those are my views. What are your views? 
And I'm sure you'll share with us uh, through our website, uh, through our, you know, uh, online, which is 34519. Moving along very swiftly, I am now joined by Kiara Bezitraule, who is the founder and the chief creative officer of Tilabi Creative Agency. Without any waste of time, Tilabi is one of the amazing creative agencies that I've come across and and I've known based on their work. You look at the website and so on and so forth, it's quite impressive. But uh, the horse is here to spill the beans, so to speak. Kiarabeji, uh, welcome to Beyond Governance and thank you for your time. Thank you, Dr. Mbele, for, for the invite and uh, good morning to your listeners as well. Absolutely. You know, you are in a very fascinating space that is of creative agency. Um, before we get to that, tell us a little bit more about who is Kiarabeji Kaule. Kiarabeji is a, you know, a young, passionate and uh, ambitious, creative and most importantly, entrepreneur. I've been on this journey for the past uh, 13 years and, um, you know, I think I've always known from the time that I was in school that entrepreneurship was the way for me, you know, and uh, to prove that thing in my journey in this creative industry, I, I probably only worked probably three years and uh, I went solo. So, you know, it was a hard and a difficult process journey rather, you know, uh, but uh, I, I stuck it through till till now and it, it doesn't necessarily get easier. And I think the more you grow as a business, you know, the the more the responsibilities increase and uh, the problems as well, you know, and you start realizing actually how 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 limited you are, especially as a black entrepreneur, to, to thrive in this in this space, you know. Uh, when you get noticed, you start realizing that uh, you actually were not meant to to grow as as big as you as you are because that's when you start feeling the the limitations from the industry gatekeepers so yeah that's our reality thank you very much for that insight which will unpack a little bit more as we proceed you said 13 years that's quite a long time when on average uh the last start the lifespan of an entrepreneur is about three three to four years so you really um, have some kudos. We can only congratulate you for surviving the first two terms because as we all know, the statistics uh, bails it out. Um, the thought behind Killaby as a brand, uh, what came to mind? Because I mean, I suppose out of that, you could deduce what this entity is all about. Just look, tell us, unpack, you know, the name behind Killaby because that in my mind opens, you know, the whole lot of issues around why the bee in the first place? How does the bee uh, perceived in the ecosystem and so on and so forth? Please take, take us through that. Funny enough, you know, um, this was an observation made by a friend that went to school with me and uh, gave me a, nick- a nickname by Killer Bee. And, um, you know, when when I asked him why he called me that, it's because of the hardworking nature that he observed in me and you know I'm sure everyone knows the way that bees operate the way they are so systematic in the way that they work and how hardworking they are and how they organize themselves you know I mean that for me was a great compliment to know that you know as you are living your life and doing what you're doing 
there are people that are noticing your efforts and actually being inspired by what you do. For me, I felt like that's something that I could take uh, with me to my life and uh, use it as something that motivates me, use it as something that uh, represents what I stand for. So since then, I've actually really invested my time in knowing how bees function, the origins of bees, and just how fascinating the whole, you know, life of a bee is and how they are so well organized and systematic in how they do things. And I think it really inspired the name and uh, it inspires also how we, we function. You know, if you have worked with us, you would know that we are very systematic in how we work as much as we are a black business. You know, usually people stereotype us for just freestyling our way into, into business. But with us, especially as creatives, uh, people never think that creatives are really organized beings, but we are very systematic in how we do our things because we know that uh, in business, for you to succeed, you need to be well organized. You have to have processes in place, and that's the only way you can actually get through and stay consistent in your craft. Absolutely. KB, thank you for that uh, insight. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back in a second. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is a time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point, it is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. This is Beyond Governance uh, here at 101.9 High FM. My name is Nimrod Bella. I am joined by Gerabitsi Kaule, who is the founder and the chief creative officer at Killaby. Before we took the short break, KB, as is fondly known, was giving us insight as to uh, what has been his journey over the past 13 years and, and how he came about creating his, his entity. Uh, Killer B, I mean, it's quite fascinating that the same posture which bees are known for, you have sort of encapsulated those into your business processing. You talk about systemic way of working, you're talking organized and creative and all those fun things which bees are known for, you sort of embody those, um, which, which I find very fascinating. But as we, as we proceed, KB, what actually inspired you? To, I mean, you know, in being an entrepreneur, it's a very vast and lonely journey. And the creative side of things, it's even, especially for young black entrepreneurs, there's not really much uh, in that particular space. Uh, what inspired you to pursue this? Did you do some kind of market, market intelligence? Did you do a bit of research? Uh, Do you have some people that you look up to who are already in this particular uh, space? It would be interesting to know uh, who has been your role model and how, what inspired you or who inspired you to start this, this agency? The funny thing, Dr. Mbele, is that I went into entrepreneurship blindly, right? Because, um, uh, when I started doing what I do, you know, I did it from a passionate point of view and uh, I did it purely for, for for it to reach the masses. 
but I always knew that I wanted to live an extraordinary life. Um, I knew that if there's a person out there who is living uh, a life of traveling in private jets, owning islands, and um, you know, uh, living in in a mansion, that person is a person just like I am. So the abilities that they have to have been able to acquire all those things should be things that I could possibly also, you know, achieve. Uh, But like I said, I went in blindly. I just wanted my work to reach the masses. I just started putting out my work on, on Facebook and I created a group just to exhibit my work, you know, in the early days. Uh, I didn't even know that the idea was not for me to sell anything. But uh, I started doing that. That's when, you know, the requests from people for me to do stuff for them started coming. You know, trust me, at that time, I did not even know anything about entrepreneurship. I was just a creative and I just wanted, uh, you know, to put out my work so that it can be seen by the masses. And uh, when people started asking me, hey, can you do this for me? Um how much would you charge me? I got so confused, you know. I felt like a little child who's being <laughs> asked adult questions. And that's when I actually realized that, oh, okay, this is what it means to be an, an entrepreneur. You know, you, there's a demand and uh, you as, as the entrepreneur, you know, you service that demand. I then started doing my research. Uh, you know, I mean, I got uh, help from a friend of mine who was in varsity with me at the time. And uh, because I'm a fast learner, I think within a year, I had already wrapped my head around entrepreneurship. And uh, it got me so excited to a point where I started really studying business, you know, and uh, I learned exactly what it is and what it means to be a, a an entrepreneur. And from there, I started following people like Vositemba Wayo, who, you know, I think is someone that is really knowledgeable about business and has made a good name for himself, you know, started following Jim Ron, uh, quite a few people uh, that are really, really, really greatly knowledgeable about this line of business. Fascinating, fascinating. What what I, you know, find intriguing from your response is the fact that you saw yourself capable of living extraordinary life you know, you saw yourself having your own private jet. You saw yourself having your own mansion. And because the, you know, in your reflection, the the individuals who have amassed wealth to, at that level are, are just like you. And there was nothing extraordinary about that because they had passion. They were dedicated. They, they had mastered their craft. So essentially, those kinds of elements were sort of, key driver in influencing you to pursue this particular issue. And what I also find fascinating is the fact that you're able to study because in as much as you bump into entrepreneurship, which was not your, your, your initial first choice, as it happens, you know, to most people, but you went and made it your business to study entrepreneurship. And by also looking at forerunners or trailblazers in this particular space, the names of the name, the names such as uh, Vusite Mokwaya and Jerome, just to mention a few, that, that is quite fascinating. Yeah. But yeah, you know, as you all know, the journey of entrepreneur as in any business is very rocky. It's very turbulent. Take us through your encounter with COVID-19 pandemic. 
which literally obliterated businesses as small businesses were even worse. How did you survive that? Before COVID-19, where were you at in terms of your numbers? And after COVID-19, where are you, where, where are you in terms of your numbers? Before you get to your recovery strategy, because every single business, um, has had or is considering, uh, or is applying recovery strategy. Take us through those. You know, we were actually doing quite well before COVID kicked in. And I recall in 2017, we restructured our business uh, completely. And, uh, you know, we started seeing the results in 2018. And uh, uh, 2019 uh, was the time when the business was really, really, uh, really, really growing and uh, actually benefiting from that strategic restructuring. So when COVID-19 hit, funny enough, you know, as a digital business, we actually benefited from that. You know, we were quite fortunate because I know that most businesses shut down and they really suffered losses. But at that point, we actually grew quite, quite well. And uh, that was due to the fact that there was a lot of campaigning around uh, COVID-19. And um, we were lucky enough to have clients who had to be part of the the main drivers of the message. And uh, they had to, uh, you know, basically ensure that they educate and um, they make uh, provision within their sectors for the changes that are going to come about due to COVID-19. And it was very important for that message to be communicated. And being a creative agency, we obviously, you know, uh, carried the responsibility to 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 communicate that message on their behalf. So in 2020, uh, we actually uh, saw growth. Uh, we uh, uh, I think our our staff complement increased uh, from uh, 10 uh, to to 21 uh, employees. You know, so there were opportunities created there. But for some reason, in the year 2021 we then got hit hard, right? And it was almost like an aftermath of COVID-19 on our end that, that affected us because some of our clients could not commit. And um, with that said, we then started realizing that the payment processes were starting to take long and it started affecting our company. And because we had made such a huge commitment of employing so many people, it affected us that clients could not commit long term, give us a long, longer contracts. And it was a almost we were going through a process of month to month agreements until it got to a point where, you know, it was just not feasible. And we found ourselves without, you know, a sustainable income. Uh, and this was between August 2021 and December 2021. And that really, really affected us badly and we had to I mean we carried our stuff till December and we had to retrench uh, more than half of our our stuff complement at the time so you know it was really unfortunate but I think I kind of had it uh, almost like prepared myself for something like that because it was already happening to so many businesses and I knew that I would need to also trade carefully and expect for anything to happen at the time. So it was unfortunate that we went through it, but um, we could, I guess we, we were expecting it due to the time we were in. Interesting. Um, 
kind of um, experience, you know, in those particular years. I mean, you at some point you, I mean, you were 21 stuff. Um, you had 21 stuff complement, which is not a not a small number, you know, considering the overheads of 21 people who are creatives, who are qualified and competent in what they do. And but I suppose it all made sense um, when. You know, the aftermath of uh, COVID because most companies, as if correctly pointed out, they were also hit hard. So they trying to survive and one way of trying to survive is to cut cost. And they could do, I suppose, with less adverts, less uh, creative uh, uh, collateral, less with this and that. So it, it, it does sort of make sense. But how has that changed in terms of your business model? Um, as you are recovering, is your book, you know, the, the lessons that you've learned, did they somehow influence the, the different thinking to redefine the business model so that you're able to circumvent future turbulences? Yes, no, definitely. I mean, um, you know, in my whole career, I've went through, I think this particular one was my second downfall. Uh, in business and every time I go through this I learn a lot and I always come out you know stronger so with this experience uh, we actually uh, in our restructuring which uh, you know took us probably the whole of December and January of 2021 into 2022 we didn't have any holidays with my team and we just worked on uh, restructuring the business I actually appreciated the power of having a smaller team, you know. The sad thing about being a black entrepreneur in in South Africa is that we get into this without having any kind of support from an advisory point of view, financial point of view. That's just our reality. So we actually experience things for the first time through our own mistakes, right? And, you know, as a business owner, you Go in thinking that um, it is fashionable to 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 uh, create employment at the first go, and you know just have a huge team, have a big mm-hmm. office. You know what I mean, and that makes you legitimate. It makes you a business, and we fail to realize that it's not necessarily about that, and it's not necessarily your job, particularly to take on such huge responsibilities uh, of creating employment for the masses. Yes, it's a great thing, but we need to realize that there are steps to this journey. And, you know, there are certain things that you can, you need to take your time in in doing before you do them. There are certain things you need to acquire before you can actually start doing certain things, you know. So for, for me, that was a great lesson learned that, I mean, as a digital company, we did not necessarily need to have so many people working. You know, we just had to uh, strategically utilize our existing um, uh, resources so that we are able to maximize the resources that we have before we can even take on more, you know. Because at the end of the day, it is highly important as a business to ensure that you are very profitable. I mean, it was during that time that I learned that the likes of your big retailers, they actually uh, make 
almost 500, 500% profits from the goods that they sell. I mean, that's crazy. Imagine that the retailers that uh, we, we often go buy or groceries at are making those kind of profits. But it then made sense why they're able to stay sustainable. It made sense why they're able to, you know, to, to survive times uh, like uh, the COVID-19 pandemic and all of that, because they have a good reserves and um, they also able to expand and, um, you know, stay sustainable due to the fact that they are well uh, financed. So, so, you know, with us, we just worked on a month to month, you know, structure where if we have uh, 500,000 rand, we believe that then, okay, cool, let's, let's create opportunities and mm. let's pay people. And we find that if that's the, our invoices amount to 500,000 rand, then our overheads also amount to 500,000 rand. And then once we've paid them, we left with nothing. If our clients decide to switch off the tabs or to uh, delay our payments, it means those resources or overheads will not be, would not be paid. You know, absolutely, absolutely. Look, yeah. you're making very interesting observation and insights which are quite beneficial to the listener. On that note, let's take a quick title back in a second. Beyond Governance Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus 94 Research, the science of decision making. We've weathered the unexpected, we've stepped into a new world. And now it is the time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point, it is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Welcome back. This is Beyond Governance. Uh, my name is Nimrod Opa Mpele. I am joined by a formidable uh, young man. Well, I'm not sure what is young anymore, but uh, fairly <laughs> substantive individual. <laughs> His name is Gerabeti Klaula. He's the founder and chief creative officer uh, of a company called Killaby. Before we went to the break, um, KB, as is fondly known as, gave me a very interesting insights on his experiences in retrenchment. I mean, when COVID hit, well, post-COVID, he had to retrench uh, his stuff for the second time. What was quite interesting, based on his assessment, is that he was able to navigate, uh, you know, the size issue. Firstly, in his view, you don't have to be big to create jobs, and that's not your responsibility. Number two, you have to fully maximize existing competencies within your organization so that you're able to realize um, profits. He's juxtaposing uh, his existence with big retailers who are able to, uh, you know, have double-digit profit margins, and that lie that lies in a very good strategy for him, which he is able to to emulate, and and also. This issue of understanding the market and the liabilities which a company carry and the risk which a company carry, particularly from a cash flow point of view. A good example he made is that in instances where you've got 500000 in your pocket 
and your liabilities equal that kind of money, you are pretty much dead in the water because one client decides to switch off the tab or close the tab as he puts it, you are gone. So those are some of the very practical insights that he has gained, which makes a lot of sense in being small, nimble, and very strategic. And talking of strategic, KB, what would you say it is your niche as Killer B? Because that lies in element of sustainability. At least that's my view. Your take on that? That's true. Very true. And uh, that's another thing that us as, uh, you know, startups, we learn quite late, you know, because we start off uh, trying to service everyone. And you realize that, no, uh, over time that you need to have a focused market. And uh, with us, we were lucky to have identified that a couple of years ago. And we, we structured our business around uh, small to medium enterprises. Um, and uh, I mean, what our uh, strategy was is that we wanted to open doors to the agency world for small businesses to experience that uh, premium service, creative service that, you know, a small business wouldn't even have dreamt of getting because they believe that they couldn't afford it. But we thought that, I mean, there's a larger pool of SMMEs than big business in this country. And if we became a to-go agency for small to medium enterprises, we would then have more people with our names in their tongue, which will then basically amplify the brand Killaby and uh, it would give us free mileage. So we did that. And, you know, since we did, uh, it actually, you know, worked for us because we knew that in that process, um, you know, we wouldn't uh, even need to, 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 to go and pitch for work we would start getting approached and possibly start getting approached by now medium to big business who now have probably heard about us or seen our work through the masses of the small businesses that we have in this country. And that's exactly what happened. And most of our big clients now who, you know, sustain us and we have longer contracts with, we got them exactly in this manner because you'd find that Someone that uh, worked uh, an executive in one of those businesses had a, a smaller business running on the side and we supported that business. We gave it, you know, what it needed to thrive. And because they saw value in that, they then took us on their journey and connected us with um, the relevant, um, you know, people to to give us bigger opportunities. Absolutely. I suppose the follow-up question here is that, I mean, I do like your approach that you, you were focused on small to medium enterprises because you wanted them to um, know and and have brand affinity with your agency. As more people uh, talk about you, you're more, you're more able to create a, a equity in the market, which is sort of work for you. And that's one aspect which I'm picking up. The other one is, you know, in this, in the competitive environment, you you obviously have to compete, but you also have to collaborate. I want your view on the extent to which collaboration with other like-minded entities um, is something that you are contemplating or something that you have begun doing, and what's your thought process in collaboration with other like-minded entities? A huge fan of collaboration. In fact, I'm an advocate of collaboration. Um, 
Uh, and it's something that I already, uh, you know, have in place in, in my business. And uh, uh, unfortunately, though, Dr. Bella, I must say it is a it is a practice that most people are not. Uh, it's almost like they not. I don't know if maybe they are not well informed because people are very resistant to collaboration. Uh, and they're not realizing that actually that is the future and that is the only way we could possibly accelerate our growth, especially as black business. We can accelerate our growth if we collaborate, you know, but instead there's a nature of competition uh, which has been created and it's really sabotaging the process. However, I am a fan of it and, um, you know, um, like I said, we identified a market, but beyond identifying a market, we also identified a, a, a strength and we decided to focus on that so that we can be known for one thing, you know, as much as we can <clears> give <throat> clients uh, added value services. But we know that when Dr. Mbele thinks of Killer B, he thinks of design. So we became very design centric. You know, you'd find that most agencies, uh, like the likes of your, uh, the big agencies, uh, Ogilvy's and Joe Public, they are 360 agencies that deal with everything, and that's how they sell themselves. But as a small business, uh, for you to go uh, to get yourself up the ladder, you really need to be remembered for something. You know, you can't be a jack of all trades. And we decided to be design centric so that people can know us for that. But it doesn't mean that we don't have the expertise of strategy. We don't have the expertise of marketing and other things in house. However, we we decided to 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 focus on that as our niche. And then what we then uh, uh, did in that process we started partnering up with agencies now who are now focused on other things like PR and, um, you know, and, 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 and copywriting and the likes to, to work with us when we need uh, those, uh, those expertise. And instead of us now taking on permanent uh, overheads that uh, specialize in that, we, we thought that it would be better to partner up with uh, an organization that focuses on that, which gives us gives us more um, capacity, number one. And it also honestly uh, helps us manage our, um, our cash flow better because now we know that all of that we do with them is, is project-based, you know. And uh, if oh. we find ourselves not dealing with having a PR gig, uh, we wouldn't necessarily need to service a bill for that. Absolutely. Um, I mean, these are very practical insights, which not only a small man does, but even bigger organizations are beginning to, con- to consider and um, use collaboration as, as a, a business model. Uh, on that note, let's have a quick uh, short break. We'll come back in a second. Beyond Governance, Making Sense of Doing Business in South Africa is proudly sponsored by Plus94 Research, the science of decision-making. We've weathered the unexpected. We've stepped into a new world. And now it is a time for our businesses to re-emerge. Sure-footed, clear-headed, and strategically on point. 
It is a time for greater certainty, for accurate, actionable market research and business intelligence to make effective, up-to-date decisions. South Africa, that is how we move our businesses and economy forward. Plus 94 Research, the science of decision-making. Hey, welcome back. It's amazing how time flies when you're really having fun. I am in Nimrod Tembele. I am having a very interesting and thought-provoking conversations with Tiara uh, Betsy Klaule, who is the founder and chief executive, uh, what well, they define themselves as chief creative officer at Killer B. Killer B is one of the uh, young and emerging uh, a creative agency, which he has established back in 20, well, which has been in existence for about 13 years, so he says. I mean, I just find him very fascinating entrepreneur in so many ways because he is clearly in touch, he's clearly intact, and his business model is very fascinating in so many ways, and certainly a lot to offer to a would-be entrepreneur a let-alone entrepreneur who are already practicing uh, and having their own businesses. My take from, you know, from him is the whole point of focus and being able to know the market and partner with key individuals or an organizations that are able to wrap up or bump up your image. And I also like how he sort of was, was clear in his target market that he went for masses Let's identify and be known in this space of small to medium enterprises because if you have, you know, those target market in that particular band, because the trick is in the numbers, he was able to be clear in his mind that if we were to be known in the space, we're more likely to hit it because that what pays your bills. And if that what pays the bills, some of these small businesses, obviously others will grow and as they grow based on the quality of service that he would have rendered, they would be with him. That's how you grow. You know, these are some of the very interesting observations and insights that we're drawing from KB. Uh, we seem to have obviously uh, glitches technology wise. Fortunately, we, it happened when we we're about to wrap up this very fascinating um, interview that we've had with him. Again, let's do this again uh, next week. Uh, it has been an absolute pleasure. Have yourself a fabulous post-Valentine. In my mind, Valentine should not be, it's, it's not the one of those that you have to, you know, in a year, you have to be there for your other part every day of your life. You know, because there's no way, there's no, doesn't make point. It doesn't make sense to be there for your other half once a year when you have just been the opposite throughout um other days, but anyway, that's my view. Uh, you're entitled to eject it. Let's do this again, Charles.